0: Welcome to The Kindness Podcast, I'm Nicole Phillips. Falling in love is easy, staying in love, now that takes work. When disagreements surface and disappointment sets in, many couples grimly soldier on, resigning themselves to dissatisfying relationships. However, there is another more transformative option when a union starts to sour, replacing unrealistic infatuation with a real sustaining love. After years of counseling couples, Dr. Jerry Chapman coined a theory, marriages grow stale because spouses don't speak the same love language. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast Live. I'm Nicole Phillips, and it is my pleasure today to bring you the, I would say arguably, the greatest marriage therapist ever in the world. Are you ready for that? Uh, I'm ready for that. Let me introduce you to Dr. Gary Chapman from The Five Love Languages. And I'm sure anyone who is listening to this is like, Five Love Languages. Like, I know that. I've heard that. It's, it, this is a household concept at this time, Dr. Chapman. But when you started this, it was after years of, of being in therapy with couples, right?
1: Absolutely. The concept grew out of my counseling. Uh, they would sit in my office and one of them would say, I just feel like he he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other would say, well, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? And I knew people were sincere, but they were missing each other emotionally. Mm -hmm. So um, I heard this over and over and over. So eventually I just sat down and read several years of notes that I made when I was counseling and asked myself, When someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages and started using it in my counseling and using it in small groups. And it was amazing uh, what happened. Sometimes couples would come back after three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. I mean, the whole climate's different now that we've Mm -hmm. learned each other's love language and we're speaking it.
0: So, how many do you even know how many weeks or years or whatever uh, the five love languages has been on the bestsellers list?
1: Well, it's been.
0: Do you keep track? I mean, at some point it's like, okay, I I get it.
1: Uh, They changed categories once. It was up to about 300 and some weeks, and they changed categories. It's now back up to another 300 and some weeks. So it's been a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. I wonder, like, did you have any idea when when you were kind of calculating those things, did you have any idea, like, this was going to be groundbreaking?
1: Uh, To be honest with you, no. I had no idea that what has happened would have happened Uh, The book sold over 15 million copies now, been translated (laughs) in over 50 languages around the world. I did know when we published the book, I did know it would help people Mm. because I'd been using it for at least five years in my counseling and with small groups. So I knew it was a powerful concept, but no, I had no idea what would happen. It's just been amazing. I think it says to me uh, that this deep emotional need for love is so powerful that whenever we really discover how to do that, how to keep love alive in a relationship, we want our brother and sister and his wife and, and our mother and dad, we want everybody to see it. So yeah. it's just kind of, it's gone word of mouth around, around the world.
0: Yeah. Cause we all know somebody who just says, I'm stuck, you know, and we don't want to see the decay of marriages or even relationships with our kids. And our, I have uh I love this one i have this one the five love languages um of teenagers you know and and uh and children and everything else so there's you know whoever somebody wants to get along with you are there (laughs) to help them i've heard from from singers who've had like just you know massive hits that they get sick of singing the same song do you ever get sick of Preaching the same talk. I mean, I know that you come at it from so many different angles, but.
1: You know, I don't, Nicole, and I'll tell you why. I know if I'm speaking on this topic, there's going to be some people in the audience who've never heard of it. Mm. And there are going to be some people who have heard of it and have a vague idea of what it is, but they're not utilizing it in their relationship. And then I know that if they will, it's going to help them. So I'm always highly motivated uh, to continue speaking on the love language, whether I'm talking to married couples or parents about their children or teenagers or single adults about all of their relationships. uh, I just, when you know that what you're talking about is gonna help people, it's hard not to be motivated.
0: That's exactly how I feel about kindness, this passion in my belly. just I I could talk about it forever and ever and ever because there's always somebody who needs to hear it, (laughs) who needs a little more kindness in their lives. Uh, so I am hoping, I've got a whole list of questions here from from listeners, viewers of, of the Facebook page that would love to be able to ask you their personal question. And so I want to get into some of those. But before we do, like you mentioned, for some people, it will be the first. So can you go through those five love languages for everyone?
1: Sure. Uh, words of affirmation. Just, you know, you look nice in that outfit. Appreciate well, what you thank did. Thank you, know, you. Using, using words, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, And then there's acts of service doing something for the person that, you know, they would like for you to do. There's an old saying, action speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. If this is your love language, that's true. It's not true for everyone. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. And then there's quality time, giving the person your undivided attention. TV is off, computer is down, you're not answering your phone, they have your full attention. Whether you're sitting on the couch talking or walking down the road or sitting across the table eating a meal together. And then physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. And the basic concept is that out of those five, each of us has a primary love language. One of them will speak more deeply to you emotionally than the other four. And if you learn the person's primary language and c- communicate love in that language, they're going to feel loved.
0: Mm-hmm. So people assume because I have a kindness podcast that I'm kind all the time, right? That I always get it right. (laughs) So I'm wondering, um, uh, uh, do things ever not go well in your marriage where you have to come back to those five? Because yours is words of affirmation, right? And your wife's is hers acts of service. Is that right? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, after uh, we've been married 60 years uh, this year. Wow after 60 years, you got it down. You know? <laughs> now, we didn't have it down in the early years. We struggled greatly before I knew anything about love languages. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, every morning uh, or every evening after dinner, I, I wash the dishes. I don't cook. She cooks the meals. OK. I wash the dishes. I take the trash out. I vacuum every week. So, you know, I do those things and she tells me I'm the greatest husband in the world. So, you know, it's working. Right, (laughs) you're both getting what you need out of that. I love it, I love it.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's see what some people wanted to know. Um, Beth Kern asked, can the love languages change during a marriage?
1: I think that uh, the love languages tend to stay with us for a lifetime, like many other personality traits. But having said that, I think, uh, yes, there may be seasons of life in which another love language may jump to the top. For example, if a mother has two preschool children, acts of service may not be her primary love language. But during that time, it's probably going to jump to the top because she's overwhelmed with all that she has to do. Uh, So I think there may be seasons of life in which it may temporarily change for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or there may be circumstances Uh, Let's say that you get word that uh, a family member has died. Your spouse gets word uh, that somebody in their family has died. Physical touch may not be their primary language, but probably at that time, at that moment, you're holding them and hugging them while they cry is probably the most powerful thing you could do to communicate your love. So, yeah, I think uh, momentarily, certain circumstances, it may change. But I think by and large, it tends to stay with us for a lifetime. Mm
0: -hmm. Someone wanted to know at what age uh, do you, I'm trying to figure out who is so I can give her credit for asking this great question, but she wanted to know, um, oh, Stephanie wanted to know, when does your love language develop? She's starting to see tendencies in her three and six-year-olds, but she wants to teach them to show and receive love in all ways.
1: Well, I think you can discover a child's primary love language by the time, certainly by the time they're four years old. Oh, just by observing their behavior. How do they respond to you? For example, my son at that age, when I would come home from from work, he would run to the door, grab my leg and climb on me. (laughs) He's touching me because he wants to be touched. My daughter never did that. When she was at that age, she would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time. Yeah. So it's there pretty early. Now, uh, to the the, uh, questioner, I would say this. You're absolutely right. Uh, Please don't hear me saying you only speak the child's primary love language. No, no, no. You give heavy doses of the primary. You sprinkle in the other four because we want the child to learn how to receive love and give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest adult. Mm -hmm. But most of us did not receive all five growing up. So we came to adulthood and some of these were rather difficult for us to speak. But the good news is you can learn them even if you didn't get them. But that's, that's the key. Heavy doses of the primary and then sprinkle in the other four.
0: Okay. And that is for, for spouses and children and everyone or just children?
1: Oh, I think for everyone really. Mm-hmm. You know, like for example, uh, my, my, the number five on my list is receiving gifts. But I'm always encouraged. I, I feel good when people give me a gift. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong. Any one of these will speak to any one of us. It's just some of them speak more deeply than others. Yeah,
0: yeah, that makes, that makes perfect uh, sense. Denise, um, a, a lot of the questions that I got had to do something um, with depression or mental illness. And, and a lot of that is coming up, especially I think from the past year. But Denise wanted to know, how can you be there for your depressed spouse um, whose love language is touch when you have young kids at home?
1: Yeah. Well, no, no question about it. The pandemic, you know, which put us all back in the same house (laughs) for so many hours has made life much more difficult. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, when I, when we say physical touch, we're not talking only about the the sexual part of the marriage. Okay. Uh, We're talking about uh, non-sexual touches as well, you know, uh, arm around the shoulder, uh, sitting on the couch together, you put your hand on their leg. Uh, uh, you give them a hug. You know, you you give them a kiss. Uh, you can do all of that with the kids running around in front of you. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but I do think for the more intimate part of of, of, that, of this language, uh, put the kids to bed early, so that you have time you know to to be with each other mm-hmm. or work out the schedule where somebody takes the kids for a walk you know for 2 <laughs> hours in the afternoon
0: 2 hours <laughs> wow okay
1: <laughs> there's always a way whatever the situation <laughs> to spend time with each other and to and to learn how to bring up, uh, pleasure to each other
0: mhm yeah um so so van pen says what about advice for when the news affects your marriage? For example, one wants to verbally process what's going on and watch all the news and the other can't handle it and just wants to escape. So both end up feeling unloved.
1: Well, I think this is a problem. It has, it has to do with personalities. Uh, there are those who have personalities where they just want to be in on everything. They want to know the latest word, the latest news and everything that's happened. And there are others who have personalities who, who basically cannot handle a whole lot of trauma, you know, that's going on around them. They much prefer to take a walk in the park, you mm-hmm. know, and just be away from all the, that's going on around them. So I think we have to learn how to respect that for each other and not demand that they be like us. So you give the, you give the one the privilege to, to do that and see what they want to see uh, in terms of news and all that's going on in the world. And you give the other the freedom not to be interested in that. Listen, we have different interests anyway. Mm-hmm. Some people are interested in football and other people are asking, what is the deal with football? They just get out there and run around and kill each other, <laughs> you know? So we have to give each other the freedom to have likes and dislikes. And uh, and that's a, th- this fits in that category. Yeah.
0: Can you acknowledge, Audra says, um, What about abuse and mental illness? When that's present, it seems like no amount of practicing someone's love language is going to help because there's an unhealthy unbalance there. How would you address that?
1: Well, no question about it. When there is abuse going on, whether it is physical abuse or verbal abuse, um, there's underlying problems uh, with that person uh, because it's not natural for us to be always lashing out and, and abusing other people something has gone on in in our past and and we need help in that situation. So I think the most loving thing we can do to an abusive spouse is to try to get them help. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that many times they don't think they have a problem and they're not open to get help. And so I think what we do is we speak their love language regularly over a period of time. And then we say to them, I don't know how you feel about us. But I feel like the last six months, I've been doing everything I can to show you how much I love you. And yet you still lash out at me all the time. So I've made a decision. I'm not going to abandon you, but I am gonna move out. And I'm gonna live with my mom for a while. And when you're willing to get counseling to deal with what's going on inside of you, I'm willing to join you in marital counseling down the line. And hopefully we can have a good marriage. Mm That many times is what it takes. It's called tough love. What it takes for to motivate them to reach out and get help, and you can give them the name of a counselor. Now here's a counselor that's been recommended. So uh, sometimes it takes tough love to get help people get reach out to get the help that they that they really need, and that is a loving act. Mm-hmm.
0: And I will I will say that for my own self, you know, we can we can sometimes I'll think, well, I, how, what would they even say that could help? You know, really like, what could they even do? And yet the times that I've been in therapy, I have been so, it's like the light bulb goes on and I think, how did I miss that? I'm a, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm an intelligent person. Like I, I, how did I miss it? And just having a, a really good therapist there, they can see things, you know, that, yeah. that the rest of us aren't seeing.
1: Yeah, hmm. absolutely.
0: So Laura says, I share your work, Dr. Chapman, in every trauma, teacher professional development and parenting class I teach. Meeting love languages helps reduce negative behaviors when emotional needs are met. So can you ask, she says, if he has any tips he shares when for recognizing another's love language when taking the test isn't possible. So, and and one doesn't just stand out. And And I see yeah. that with my own daughter. I made her take the test and one still didn't stand out, but... If somebody can't take this online test, that is free, by the way, for people, um, how can we determine that?
1: Well, here's two or three ways. One, you observe their behavior, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, Just keep your eyes open as to how they relate to you and how they relate to other people. If they're, for example, if if it's an adult person and they're always giving other people gifts, that's probably what they want because Mm -hmm. we tend to speak our own language. If they're always giving people affirming words, if you hear them on the phone encouraging people, probably that's their language. So observe their behavior. Secondly, what do they complain about most often? The complaint reveals the love language. If, for example, a wife is saying to a husband, I just feel like we don't spend any time together. I feel like we're ships passing in the night. She's complaining about not getting quality time. A six year old said to his mother, we don't go to the park anymore since the baby came. He and his mother used to go to the park together. He had her undivided attention, but now the baby's here Mm -hmm. and he's missing his quality time. He's telling her loudly that that's his language. So we tend to get defensive as adults if our spouse complains, but they're really giving us valuable information. And then uh, thirdly, What do they request of you most often? The request reveals the love language. For example, my daughter whose love language, remember, I said was quality time. In the teenage years, two or three nights a week, she would say, Dad, can we take a walk after dinner? She's asking Mm -hmm. me for quality time. And I would say, sure, honey, as soon as I wash dishes for your mother. (laughs) (laughs) and My son would never walk with me. He said walking is dumb if you're going somewhere, drive. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. Why are we (laughs) walking? Yeah.
1: (laughs) But what he would ask is, Dad, can we play basketball? And the way way we played basketball in the backyard, it was physical touch. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So those three things will help you if a person cannot take the quiz or will not take the quiz.
0: Uh, what about let's see um, she also asked any tips for when your spouse parent etc does not give as you need to receive even when you have told expressed or asked for what you need
1: well let's face it we can't make someone speak our love language right but we can request but never demand demand simply drives them away but we can request. Mm-hmm. And, and here's, the way I, here's a little game I, I would suggest. Uh, every other week, about every other week, you say to your spouse, who's not responding to you in the language that you wish they would, you say to them, honey, personal question. On the scale of zero to 10, how much love do you feel coming from me? If they say anything less than 10, you say, what could I do to help bring it up? And they give you a suggestion, probably in keeping with their own love language. Mm-hmm. So you speak their love language and you do this for a while. And if they don't if they don't eventually say to you, oh, oh wait a minute, honey. How about you on a scale of zero to 10? How, how are you? How are you? Uh, how much love are you feeling? You see, because you've set the pace and you've kind of initiated this little routine. Chances are they're going to turn sooner or later and ask you that question. Mm. And now and if they don't, then you can say to them, you know, honey, I I don't know how you feel. You know, I keep asking you how much love you feel and and I keep trying to love you. But you you never have asked me that question. I don't know. Do you you really not care if I feel loved? Whoa, it's a wake up question. Yeah. And chances are they're going to begin to open up because they've been receiving all this love from you. And you've, you've just made a good pathway for them to come and ask you or, or respond to that, mm-hmm. to that question. Mm-hmm.
0: My husband and I, uh, throughout our, we've been married just 20 years. So, you know, a, a third of what you've got going. <laughs> so we're still babies. We're newbies, uh, newlyweds. But we, um, we'll, we will occasionally ask each other, um, how are we doing those are the words how we doing? yeah
1: how we doing and good question.
0: um yeah and it's interesting because i remember i don't know it was probably 10 years ago now but my my husband and i were having a really nice date and it was beautiful and i could tell he was really feeling happy and confident in his husbandry and whatever and he said how we doing and i looked at him and i said not good you know it just and it was just all of a sudden, an open pathway to say like, I'm overwhelmed and and I've got these three kids at home and I don't want to be touched. And, I, you know, frankly, I don't even want to live in our house right now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to say, oh, OK, you know, like, let's talk through that. And um, thank goodness for those how we do in conversations, because sometimes if you don't ask, yeah. you f- still find out. You just find out when it's too late.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's that's a good good question.
0: So Dr. Chapman, I need to uh, let you go. You've been generous with your time, so generous. But before I let you go, because it's the kindness podcast, I'm wondering if you have um, a kindness story for us, whether it's um, something you did for someone else that just really made you feel great that you didn't know would, or a time when kindness showed up just when you needed it, or perhaps it's a, a story of kindness that you've noticed between people you've worked with. Just We just love kindness stories.
1: So whatever you got to throw yeah. out there, we'll take it. Well, I'll, I'll give you one, and not in my life, but in a friend of mine. I have a friend of mine, an African-American friend of mine, and we're working on a book together on what if we became friends across racial lines? What, what if every person had one friend, close friend of another race or culture? And so we're writing this book, and, and he gave this illustration. Uh, I, I'm just reading it, why it's on my front burner in my mind. Yeah. He said, my wife and I stopped at a, at a gas station to get gas, and I noticed, uh, and, and he's African American, but I noticed a truck driver who backed his truck into a very narrow space, and then he went into the to the store, and he said when he came back out, and he was pulling out, and I just stopped beside the truck and kind of waved, and he stopped, and I said you did a great job getting in that short space. And the man smiled and he said, I've done this a few times. (laughs) And and, and my friend said, you know, I made him smile just by making a comment about a simple thing that he just did. You see, we often just miss miss opportunities to, to do something kind. You know, I don't know what your definition of kindness is, but but here's my definition. I should be listening to you on this one. No, Uh, (laughs) it's words and deeds that enrich someone else's life. And those are just simple words, but they enrich the life of that gentleman that he didn't even know. And he said, my hope is that the next times he sees a white person. He's going to have a little different attitude toward him because this black man said those words to him. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, whether it's cross-cultural or whether it's in the culture, uh, words and deeds of kindness enrich people's lives, and uh, that's what that's what really one of the greatest things we can be doing. Yeah, it's a, it's a form of love. Uh, this question: expressions of kindness are expressions of love.
0: Yes, they are. And the thing that always gets me is just how beautiful it is that. When I step out of my comfort zone and I say something like that to make somebody else smile, I end up smiling for the rest of the day. And every time I tell the story again, I'm like, oh, like that was a fun inter (laughs) exchange there. So it always comes back to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Dr. Chapman, it has been a delight to talk with you today. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we we tell people before we let you go?
1: No, I would just say, if you haven't read the book, uh, whether it's children or parents and all, read the book. Some people take the quiz and they say, well, we got it down. <laughs> yeah, but in the book, you get a lot of ideas, you know, and really real people who tell who are telling their stories and, and so forth. So uh, and then pass it along. I mean, let's teach other people the whole concept so that we can begin to have meaningful uh, love relationships. Whether it's and I say to parents, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is Do your children feel loved? Mm, it's natural mm. for a parent to love their children, mm-hmm. but there are children that don't feel loved. Mm-hmm. And that's where the love languages can be really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. And for people who don't um, necessarily like nonfiction books, um, there was a series you did with an author of fiction, and I've really enjoyed that as well. Uh, the first one was called It Happens Every Spring. I'm still on the first one. But uh, so there's, so you, you draw the illustrations through that as well with your love languages. And it's really, really neat. So-
1: Thank you, yeah. There's four four books in that series. Yep, Yeah. The Four Seasons, yeah. The Four Seasons,
0: exactly. So all kinds of ways to learn about the love languages. Um, Thank you, Dr. Chapman, for taking the time and joining us today on the Kindness Podcast. I sure appreciate you.
1: Well, thank you, Nicole. Thanks for what you're doing. Keep up the good work.
0: Uh, I'll try, I'll try. We'll see if uh, 60 years, you know, from now or, or whatever it is, if I'm if I can still say like, yeah, I'm getting better at kindness. Wouldn't that be nice? Isn't that what we all want? We'll see. Hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on the Kindness Podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day and remember to go love somebody well. That was a conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman. You can find your primary love language by taking the online quiz at www.5lovelanguages.com. That's the number five, lovelanguages.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by W O U B Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section and check out my book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores.